it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I think that it's very easy to lean into the narrative, especially when you probably have encountered a lot of shitty partners, that it's always the other person for women. For women, yeah. Um, So to hear you start the conversation off with I fucked up is a little rare. Rare for me. I was hard for me to swallow. Like, what does that mean? You feel like an idiot when you're done because you feel like you've become this monster. For me, it felt like I became a monster because it felt like everything that he was now listing was things that I had an issue with with past partners. Like, going ghost. I can't believe I did it so often. Is this a nice guy's finished last story? Ugh. Is it? That sucks. Lovers and friends. Lovers and friends. I'ma take you on a trip, baby, I don't pretend, I said. Lovers and friends. Uh, I'ma hold you down, down to the end, I said. Before we get into this episode, let's take a moment to talk about Welcome to Lovers and Friends, a podcast about your sex and love life. My name is Sham Boudram. I'm an intimacy expert with an educational background in sexology, psychology, and journalism. As the host of this podcast, you could think of me like the love boat who takes us all from point A to point B. And each week we have a different guest, a starring captain that takes us on a fantastic voyage of their choice. This episode, I am thrilled to share with you that our captain is none other than singer-songwriter Jesse Reyes. I think you should put your bags down. insider baseball of late i've been switching up the way that i engage with our guests when we first started this show a year ago which by the way last week was episode 52 which means we have been potting for a year and i think we should acknowledge that okay anyways so when i originally reached out to guests i would say what do you want to talk about but of late i've been asking what is one story that you want to share with the audience and i was definitely caught off guard by the story that Jesse chose to share. But in terms of a story, um, I was going through a breakup and I had fucked up because I was so focused on self. And uh, I had just fucked up because I'd gone from the extreme of being super, just lacking in self-love and and wanting things that aren't for me and, and confusing pain with love because love's always hurt for me. So if it didn't hurt, it didn't make sense. And then met someone who was very sweet and very patient and honest and just like the sweetest. And I couldn't say I love you. I couldn't, there was just deep things that I couldn't really, I couldn't be vulnerable with someone that had proven time and again that they were like safe. And the reason that I was caught off guard by this is because it's incredibly rare. And I'm going to say this as somebody who has worked in this space for 15 years, especially for women, to admit to being the bad guy in a romantic relationship. And although on the surface, no, it's not aspirational to be the problem person, in my opinion, being at fault is the most empowering and hopeful position to take in love, especially when it comes to love lost. Now I get it. Many of us grew up having to constantly audition for love, meaning if you behaved good, you were given love. And if you did something that your parent or caretaker did not like, love was withdrawn from you. And as a result of this gain-loss dynamic, a lot of us rightfully have developed a phobia for being at fault. But I believe that once we can accept the fact that being flawed, making mistakes, or existing with nameable imperfections does not make us unworthy of love, we can ascend to a place where looking at our less glossy truths puts us in a position to reach our true potential for connecting with others, and of course, with ourselves. And this is the main reason that I openly talk about my flaws and invite others, those that I trust, to do the same. Why do you think you're evil? Because you have boundaries? No, I'm a, I have a, some people are born a little cruel. I'm born a little cruel. Discipline 
slash restrictions. <clears throat> oh, God. You know what? I, right. I lied. I lied before. An F? Uh, the question I like to ask people when they think they're good in areas that I don't is, what is? So what are your restrictions? And although putting this information out there definitely invites some people to take aim at my worthiness to be liked and loved, honestly, I don't mind because I know that people who are unwilling to look at the bad in others without seeing them as a bad person can't do that for themselves. And the kind of people who fall victim to the idea that they can erase their own flaws by investing all of their energy in highlighting others are not my kind of people. So what do I really lose by them labeling me as trash? I have one goal here on this planet, and that is to be the best that I can be and to share myself with people on the same, but their own unique track, which means I really like good people who have some shitty ways. And if you are someone who's a little afraid to embrace that whole truth for yourself, think about it this way. If something is not perfect, but you are, where does that leave you? It leaves you in the passenger seat, hoping and waiting for someone or something else to course correct. Now on the flip side, if you don't like the way something is going and you also do not like the way that you have been going about something, you're the driver. You're the one who gets to learn and the one with the clear path to growth if you have the energy to take it. I am the bad guy in my current relationship, unfortunately. So I have been the bad guy in a romantic relationship before. I was the bad guy in a relationship one time. I was the worst guy in a relationship. I did a lot of hurtful things to my ex like I would purposely tell him when other men would flirt with me because I wanted him to get jealous and he had a lot of issues with crying and so I would purposely tell him things that were very hurtful to try to get him to cry. Basically I was in a relationship in my first year of university um, and throughout the relationship realized that I was extremely unhappy but just didn't have the courage to break things off. Um, a few months down the line, I bumped into an ex of mine um, and I basically cheated on my then current boyfriend with my ex-boyfriend. This guy basically was enamored and absolutely loved me and he adored me and I just walked all over him because he let me. I had been in a relationship for one year that I knew I didn't want to be in, but I was so scared of confrontation. I tried to nudge him in that direction and I was a toxic girlfriend so that he wouldn't want to break up with me so I didn't have to do it. But ultimately, I couldn't pull the trigger. So I went to college and I immediately started cheating on him and he eventually found out. His dreams to me didn't matter. Um, he wanted to go to the Peace Corps and I made it about me and what I was going to do and how I was going to survive. And whenever we hung out, it was the music I wanted to listen to and what I wanted to do and the things that aren't what relationships are made of. All right, now that I've made that point, let me add a disclaimer in here. Of course, nobody is all good or all bad in a relationship, but there are definitely some situations where someone has done something so overwhelmingly wrong that for the other person, there's no genuine lesson other than try to avoid people who do stuff like that. Basically, that means it's not always that in relationships, our true unpleasant colors are revealed. Sometimes it's only through someone else's shadiness that certain shades are even possible for us. This is called reciprocal determinism. And it's a theory that basically means we are who we are largely around. So sometimes our faults are not actually a reflection of us, but instead a reaction to someone else's. And the way that you can spot the difference is by measuring your relationships against each other. So if you see a negative trait show up repeatedly despite the person, that's an invitation to change your person. On the flip side, if you see a negative trait only when you are with a certain person, you got some other hard questions to start asking, which we're not going to dive into in this episode because our dance card is currently full. And you're thinking it, I'm thinking it. Let's get into this interview with Jesse Reyes. Jesse Reyes is a Toronto-born singer and songwriter who burst onto the scene in 2016 with her platinum single, Figures. In 2020, Jesse received her first Grammy nomination for Urban Contemporary Album. She is admired internationally and has amassed millions of followers, and she is currently embarking on- Here, we actually put up our tree last night. Check out this cute-ass video. What you don't see in the video is the delicious black bean quesadilla meal that we made last night 
with HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm fresh, pre-proportioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. And that is why they're America's number one meal kit. There is always new menu options like the white cheddar Wonder Burger and now tons of delicious seasonal meals to choose from. So choose to try HelloFresh and choose to get a crazy deal with yours truly. Go to HelloFresh.com slash Lovers18 and use the code Lovers18 for 18 free meals plus free shipping. 18 free meals? What? This is a reason that they are America's number one meal kit. So please give it a try for yourself. HelloFresh.com slash Lovers18. Congratulations. Thank you. You're a Canadian historical icon. Let's go. And yes, he is awesome. Thank you. I think it's interesting because at the place I'm at in my life, I find that I don't relate to R&B sung by women a lot because mm-hmm. it's a lot of second place music. What do you? Oh, okay. You understand what I'm saying by yeah. that? And I'm not in a second place part of my life. Just because just by virtue of just getting older, I think knowing yourself better, there's very few things that aren't for me that I yearn for anymore. Like love lost, even job. I was thinking about this morning, like when's the last time I didn't get a job that I like felt bad about? Because if I didn't get it, I'm usually like, oh, it wasn't it's not for, for me. me. And I never think back on it again. But it's because I have things that I feel are for me, so I feel good in that. You're but, living in alignment. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you for that. That's nice. And I think this album was so perfect because it was like the transition phase. I feel like you're transitioning from wanting what you what isn't for you and still being a little hurt by that but also coming into the power of knowing that whatever is for you coming up is exactly what it should be. Yeah. Does that feel like where you're at? Yeah, 100%. Everything that I've been like ingesting in terms of like what I read and what I listen to and the exercises that I've been doing and the self-love practices that I've been doing have all kind of been in the world of detachment to anything that's not for me. Like presence has just solved a lot, you know, even the dark shit and even the good shit, because sometimes the good shit will fuck you because you get too high, you know, and then you're at the mercy of whatever emotions you're feeling. But that kind of leaves you it leaves you uh, it leaves you at the mercy of the same place you were at before, because the second things get low, then you're just going to be a reflection of that. But if you could just let go and be present, it's just so much easier. So, yes, that's that's I'm happy that that's how you feel after you heard it, because that's definitely where I'm at. Is there like a particular story or experience that kind of marks where you feel like you're at your love life today? Or is there a song on the album that does that for you? Oh my God. Well, Emotional Detachment, the title in itself kind of paints it, but yeah, just understanding that some things aren't worth my peace. And and it's up to me whether or not I want to engage. But in terms of a story, um, I was going through a breakup and I had fucked up because I was so focused on self and so focused on like improvement. And I had kind of, the relationship beforehand left me a shell of a person and just mangled. So- Are you a serial monogamist? Yeah, girl, for the first time in my life, like I'm, that's funny, we were just talking about it in the whip. I'm single and I haven't, I haven't been um, single like this in damn near like damn near a decade which is crazy to say and it's not even like a decade to a decade between two people and uh i had just fucked up because i'd gone from the extreme of being super just lacking in self-love and and wanting things that aren't for me and and confusing pain with love because love's always hurt for me so if it didn't hurt it didn't make sense and then met someone who was very sweet and very patient and honest and just like the sweetest and I didn't put as much effort into healing as I should have so for like damn near three years I was still very guarded like I couldn't say I love you I couldn't there was just deep things that I couldn't really I couldn't be vulnerable with someone that had proven time and again that they were like safe you know and so then eventually they got tired of waiting and I couldn't fault them for they it they got tired of waiting they got tired of waiting for me and I couldn't fault them for it because it had been so long And of course, when they got tired, that's when my old pattern clicked in. And I was like, wait a minute, like, wait a minute, like, I'll, I'll." and also we had kind of gone on a break right beforehand. And on that break, I had really made an effort to heal from the other things and let go. But it's just, it can't be an accident that as soon as I got better within those three years, they had been tired. Like, 
the fact that three years and maybe a few more weeks was too much to ask it couldn't have been an accident. So I had to hold on to that faith to be like, okay, well, it's just not meant to be. And I hit them and I was like, well, I know I don't have to prove anything to you, but I feel like I'm, I'm ready and I've changed and I don't know how valid that is because I know it seems like it came out of nowhere for three years for me to have been guarded to only feel like I'm like, fuck, I'm ready when you're ready to leave. Seems like something sus, but I'm here, but I've also realized that it's fucking me to just keep talking to you and stay open. So for my own sake, I got to detach and I'll stay open as long as I can. And if it's meant to be, it will be. And if not, then it's fine. And it was probably the most mature shit that I've ever like said and followed through with in my life. Because usually I'd either be I'd either be broken and crying and just soothing my fucking wounds, which I did for a little. But then I was like, just just basic things that you don't listen to, like don't check their Instagram. Don't don't. Over, like reread messages don't put salt in a wound that hurts and like advocate for yourself and do things that you love and go where love is being served and do things that make you happy and find out what makes you happy and get to know yourself more just all these things that I've known for a long time but I actually put everything into practice and like assess the arsenal that I had and I was like all right well it's time to put you first you know it's time to put you first and it's great that this person was great and tried but if it's not meant to be and it's not meant to be. And it can't be an accident that, like, everything happened how it happened. You know what I mean? Like, the chances that that right when I felt ready was right when it was too much. When was this moment, like, this accumulation moment, this phone call that happened, like, six months ago? This was in, like, uh, I, I think August. It fresh. Like, a month ago. Well, it feels like a month ago, yeah. But... Well, two months ago. Yeah. So it's Okay, mathematician. <laughs> It's like a month ago, a little more. I gotta count my wins, okay? I gotta, I gotta make sure I'm counting my wins. I'm not trying to minimize it. Like, what was that? Two weeks ago? We'll see. It's okay. Okay. First of all, I'm fucking blown away because you're in your 20s. No, 30. Really? Oh my gosh, looking 15 years old. Hey, thank you. You know what? I'm actually also trying to switch that mentality to, to like, oh, looking 15 is a positive thing because it's not right. Like, there's a difference between like looking healthy, like. I want to switch now from you look good for your age to your age looks good for you. Mm. Like, so whatever age you're at right now looks really good for you. You you. look great for your, you look great with your age. Thank you. Um, Anyhow, but. That's great. You know what's great? It's like fixing thought patterns in the moment. That shit is clutch because that shit is like practice in real life. I do this shit all the time, but that's dope. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Um, I think that it's very easy to lean into the narrative especially when you probably have encountered a lot of shitty partners in your formative formative loving years, that it's always the other person for women. For women, yeah. Um, so to hear you start the conversation off with I fucked up is a little rare. Mm-hmm. I think so. Rare for me. I was hard for me to swallow. Can you expand on that more? Like, What does it look like to not be emotionally present in a relationship? You feel like an idiot when you're done. Because you feel like you've become this monster. For me, it felt like I became a monster. Because it felt like everything that he was now listing was things that I had an issue with with past, par- with past partners. Can and you give me that list? Yeah, like... Going ghost. I can't believe I did it so often. And I didn't even realize I did it that often. You know? Or not like little things, like not following up, not, not being aware of their needs... Not making an effort to be more um, of, like, the person that's in the corner. And especially because for me, like, I've never been the type to vent unless I'm seeking a solution. So it's always been very abstract for me when some, and my friend, and I don't have really, I don't, like, I can count my close friends on one hand. And my homegirl, who's been my girl since we were like 14, has said this to me. Like, sometimes I just want you to listen. And I've heard her say that, but I didn't apply it to my partner. So, my ex-partner. So, it was just, uh, it was just fucked to hear it. It fucked to hear it. Um, And to hear that I was being so cold when I was getting brought his issues or problems or whatever. Because I'd be like, so do this, so do that. Like, why don't you fix it this way? Just little things like that, you know, or making time from work because I've been so like focused on work and setting aside time to treat partnership like a priority wasn't even a thought for me. Like well, especially work, when Beyonce's on the other line. It's hard. It's hard. 
but it just wasn't a thought. And then I never see family and I never see, I rarely see family, rarely see friends. So it was just, it, it's hard not to equate the value of a relationship with how much time you've known someone. So also because I was like, well, if I don't see family and I don't see these people and you've only been in my life this much, then I don't see why you would be appear on the totem pole of priorities when I need to, you know, but it shouldn't be that way. Especially if you're looking at someone like your partner, I just didn't make it a priority. And I ended up feeling like shit because, because then I had to catch myself in a thought pattern of blaming my other ex for how I had become this cold, can't say I love you, can't open up, can't not even, it got to the point where I started like Praising how careless I was about certain things because I never checked his phone, never like, never questioned anything, girls, whatever. Because I just focused on me and I just, I don't, I don't know what, it, I'm not even sure what it was, but I was just so detached to someone that wanted to be attached and someone that was sweet and kind. And I just saw so much of my ex in me now or in that moment. Tell me more about that. It uh, it was a wake-up call for lack of accountability that I had because in that moment that I wanted to blame someone else for how I was acting, that sentence in itself is not like it's void because you can't because you control yourself, you know? So it's not his fault that now I'm scared to love. It's my fault that I didn't heal properly. It's my fault that I'm projecting the shit I went through on someone that doesn't deserve it. It's my fault that I didn't assess the situation properly and the risk and reward because I should have just jumped head first with someone that had shown time and time again or, or with, with someone that had shown that they um that they were trustworthy and it's just uh accountability is a hard pill to swallow especially when you got to go through steps like that because the first step is getting hurt the next step is blaming them and then the next step is like the next step is like taking the double l cuz now you're like well it's not even your ex's fault it's not even it's nobody's fault but mine you know, it's nobody's fault but mine. But there's lessons. So the lesson is like, I just need to make sure I heal properly before I embark on part in partnership. Understanding what partnership is, just being more receptive, and and just not being afraid. Cause fear is a bitch, and fear is such a waste sometimes. And obviously, things happened how they were supposed to happen, but. Had I not had fear, I might have actually, like, experienced a safer love. You know what I mean? Is this a nice guy's finished last story? Ugh. Is it? That sucks. It might be. But I don't think it's last. Like, I'm sure that to him, maybe I was the example of what it's not supposed to be. You know? Like, I'm sure he's going to find someone great and someone kind and someone that can match his energy at the time, you know, like at wherever he's at, I'm like, I'm sure it'll happen. So I don't think it's nice guys finish last. Cause I don't think it was either like, it wasn't a loss for either of us, you know, like learning curves and an experience and just understanding different things for me, understanding what I want more of. And for him, maybe understanding what he doesn't want more of. It's like a side question, but just thinking and hearing your story, it is so, I can't even just begin to tell you that your eloquence and your ability to communicate your feelings and your experiences so cleanly is just very phenomenal. Thanks. Um, which is why you're an incredible songwriter. Do you even write about this though? Because it is feels, one, it's hard to get to this place of emotional maturity. And two, I don't think a lot of women find themselves in this position where they can admit that they weren't showing up for somebody who was showing up fully for them because they're so used to the reverse story. Do you tell this story? Um, no, I haven't put it publicly out yet, but yeah, I do write about it. The fear that I have in listening to your story is a fear. It comes from a place from, um, for me growing up, I was always told by my dad that people can't be too nice to me, that my personality type was that people had to be a little mean to me in order for me to value them. And that was something that I took with me. And it wasn't until I met my husband, Jared, who was just the kindest person. I literally referred to him as like white snow. You know, when you see like <laughs> a just plain white snow, and if you step in the snow, you're going to see your footprint. Yeah. If you pee in the snow, you're going to see that piss. And he was the first person I just saw myself completely reflected back on. 
everybody else because they were so reactionary to me. I never had a chance to see like, oh, you did that. You made that mess. And through him, I was like, oh, I actually can stomach kindness. I actually can. Um, but it was also the harder part wasn't necessarily accepting the kindness. It was accepting that I had to work on being kinder. So in listening to your story, I want to know what this informed you about yourself. Same, every, like everything you just said. Everything you just said. That's why I was like, holy shit, they that said that. Because, like, yeah, for me, if, if in my experience in love prior to, sorry, my experience in love prior to, if it didn't hurt, if it wasn't passionate, it wasn't real, you know? So when I was in this peaceful union where someone made space for me to express things and and I feel like I saw certain things, like he was able to reflect things back without it being combative, you know, to point certain things out that I was doing. And even if I wasn't as receptive as I should have been in terms of like adjusting behavior, because sometimes I think he might have been like, like, uh, obviously he wasn't perfect, you know what I mean? Like certain things of, uh, like not bringing something up even though it bothered him because it didn't merit perturbing the peace. But that shit adds up. So like, when you get to like 10, then all of a sudden when it's worth bringing up and now you have this list, that shit catches me off guard. Especially yes. because it's my pattern to be like, oh, I see, address it, see, oh, address it, see this, address it. So it's so, I, it was just such a different, we were so different in that regard. But um, for me, love had to hurt. So then when it was so peaceful, it just, it didn't, it made me doubt so much. I was talking to my therapist about it. My therapist was like, give it a chance. Like, it might just be your pattern. It might just be your pattern. It might be worth just, you know, giving it some time. What's it? Was our relationship. Oh, okay. So you're telling your therapist that I don't... I don't know if this is... I don't even know if this... Like, I don't... This is missing. Mm-hmm. This is missing. Was that in the middle? What, in the, in the middle the, of the this, relationship? Yeah, did this conversation with therapist happen in the middle, towards the end, or...? Closer to the left side of the middle. Okay. Uh... Yeah, it's just crazy because I was for so long I thought love was supposed to hurt, which is so fucking ass backwards. But I thought love was supposed to hurt, and I thought if I didn't, and then I it, like read about attachment theories, read about all those things to understand like tension. Like the only reason I feel this is this, which means someone's pulling away, which means it's not like you know, it's not. And I just didn't understand that. I didn't understand that, which seems so basic now. It's like understanding that the sky is blue after living on earth for like forever. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. It's such a basic thing, but I didn't know why I couldn't put it into practice. That's such a great analogy of the clothing because it's so true. It put it in like immediate perspective for me because you don't feel your clothes unless they're uncomfortable, unless they're pulling at you. And so. You your clothes unless they're uncomfortable. Yeah. 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 And he felt like a loose t-shirt. Mm. So I was like, why is it so comfortable? Why do I feel this peace? You know? But I learned that I that I can't run from kindness, and I practice it still. Cause even there's certain books that I read that I don't think are the there's like Robert Greene. I'm a fan, and I know people are like, "Yo, those books are dark." Yeah, but sometimes I'm like a huge Robert Greene fan. Hey Jesse, I fan. really like you. Yo, same bitch. <laughs> the fuck. <laughs> That's cute. That's lit. Same. But I like love, and so then there's moments where I'm like, the the despise the free lunch, especially in this business. You have to just be ca like cautious, cognizant. And and uh, I realized that I was applying that too much because then I realized that as soon as someone's too kind or too nice to me, I'm immediately like, why? Why are you being so nice? Why are you being, you know what I mean? And I and I just had a hard time with that. And, I, and I've come to embrace balance more and come to embrace more of my discernment. But Jesus, that that sentiment of like, don't run from kindness is something that I've had to apply. Hey, what's going on? Relationship dynamic that was missing that maybe would have allowed for you to invite that kindness a little bit more. Like, I guess, what is the net lessons that you learned from the loss of this love? 
the net lessons, well, it's funny because I was beating myself up like crazy when we first ended and my therapist called me out on it. My boys called me out on it. My girl called me out on it that I was just like, they're like, you're not, because I was, because I was in that space so much so that I was like, it's me. Like I did this, that, that, and they were like, yeah, but like that it wasn't perfect. You know what I mean? And so of course it's, it's uh, taught me to, um, Just not be as hard on myself and understand what I want more of in a partner. But I'm not there yet fully. Like, I'm still assessing certain things. Because I don't know... Um, I don't know how much of the... Uh, are they just too nice? Or do I want someone that's more dominant? You know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm not sure yet. I'm still working that out what what it is exactly that I want and what the issue was. But in terms of net, I just feel like I've it taught me to let go. It taught me to be kinder. It taught me to be present. And it taught me not to like walk in fear when it comes to love. So if I find it again, and if I'm shown that someone is kind and like I just don't need someone to fight for me to believe them, I'm just going to, trust my intuition and if it feels right then I'm just gonna do it so what would be different about this breakup versus oh, other breakups others. oh my god my turnaround time I just feel so strong which I love I just feel stronger because with other heartbreaks like I'd be I would just be mangled for months I'd be crying I'd be I wouldn't be um I just it, it would take me a long time to find happy again and find self again but I feel like I've learned so much and I've worked so hard on myself. And even during that time where I wasn't present for the relationship because I was so focused on self-improvement and self-development and legacy, it wasn't for a waste. I might have lost somebody, but it definitely, like I've, I've been able to reap the benefits of having focused so much on myself and done so much, um, so much of the work. And reading The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle, by Eckhart Tolle really gave me um, life hacks on how to move forward when it came to this hurt. If you feel like there's something nostalgic in your house, like a fucking teddy bear, man, fuck the teddy bear. Fuck the teddy bear, okay? So things like that, like being ruthless when it came, when it came to what I was throwing out and, and advocating for myself, you know? Fuck if we ever get none of that. Like, it's not even the... It's just accepting what it is now. And what it is now is that it's over. So it just is what it is. But getting better faster made me feel and makes me feel proud for me. Fast and healthy is very aspirational because there's fast and foolish. Yeah. Where people just start reengaging with new partners and engaging in distractions and they don't do the self-work or there's a dismissal. But just then you lose all the richness that you can learn to apply to a better, healthier relationship yeah. in the future with that person or without that person. Yeah. But I love fast and healthy. Yeah. Yeah, fast and healthy. It's been fast and healthy, which is nice. Um, I had Kiana uh, Lede. I love Kiana. I'm saying it slow because I'm like, you know when you read people's um, Instagram handles Forever the wrong way? You, yeah. Yeah, so she was Kiondele for me. <laughs> and then I met her and it was like, no, it's two separate words, dummy. Um, <laughs> which a lot of people would interpret my name as Shan Body, which I'm like, I don't have a body like that. Why would I do that Jokes. to myself? <laughs> like, why body. would I? So they'll it forever will be that way for them. But anyway, she was saying that a fear of hers of entering into a phase of healthier love mm -hmm. is because so much of her music is based on the toxic, unhealthy dynamic. And so she's like, will I still have material if I'm now in a happy space? Mm -hmm. Does happiness in my love life equate to a lack of success or a lack of inspiration in my career. Do you have that fear? Not at all. Not at all. I, I wish if that, if that, uh, I, I don't know if, I guess it is, it's a skill, but it's a weird skill to be able to write from places of pain still. Like the skills that I've learned about what, like the skill of, looking at an emotion objectively and looking at your thoughts objectively and not identifying with them is something that I have to consciously do. So when I don't consciously do it, 
I can get sucked backwards, you know? Living in that duality by default means that I'm always going to be able to. Because when I was with the last one, I was writing songs about my ex. And when I was with the one before that, I could still write songs about the ex before that. And I tried my best to heal um, permanently and haven't. And if I do, I don't think I'd be fucking mourning the music because my soul would be happy, you know? And it's not like I don't write happy songs. I just don't put as much of the happy ones out. And I also, they're, they're also few and far in between. So maybe I just wouldn't release as often. But I don't, uh, no, because that, that's like, I'm not, it's just such a, it's like say it's like, <laughs> it's like a, it's like a fairy tale to think that that, like the fact that people think that that's a real fucking fear is like a, it's, I, it makes me laugh because I'm like, that's like a fairy tale because life is suffering. The day you get to the life that, that you feel no suffering, you're probably going to die tomorrow because I mean, your time's up. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So the fact that people think you're ever going to live a life that's free of suffering is a joke because I just don't think that that's, that that's life. I think the, the focus shifts though. What do you mean? Like the focus, your everyday focus shifts from the suffering to the abundance. Yeah. The, but both always exist. But both Even in the exist. suffering, yeah. you are experiencing joy, you are experiencing abundance, you are having these happy moments. Yeah, the fo yeah, 100%. The focus is, but it's there. Yeah. So if you ever want to go left, you just, you just adjust your focus, which is kind of dismal and kind of masochistic. If uh, it's kind of masochistic. But I don't ever want to. I don't. I don't think I'd ever have to do that intentionally. I just think it's always going to be there, you know. I don't think I'd ever like seek out heartbreak on purpose for the sake of a song. All right. I know my final question I wanted to ask you. Um, the second question I was like, which was I want to ask you again? If we were to mark the lessons that you've learned from this last relationship in this form of a do-over story, is there a day, a moment, a scenario that you've had with this person that you were like, oh? Knowing what I know now, this is what I would have done differently then. Yeah, I would have made more time to go. Is there a specific, like, we went on a picnic yeah, on we Thursday. Were, oof. <sighs> we were at my cousin's house. Um, I took a long time to even, like, introduce him to my family, which is part of the fear that I had carried over from the last relationship because I didn't want anyone to get used to anybody because I didn't know how permanent anything was going to be. Um, and, uh, he was living overseas and my cousin was like, he is your ex-partner. Yeah. Okay. He was living overseas and yeah, my ex-partner was living overseas. I'm going to move this closer to it. Sorry. I keep leaning back. It's good because you're comfortable and you're like in a different place. Nice. So I'd like to the mic to go with you. My, uh, my ex-partner was living overseas and my cousin said something to the effect of, it must be hard, like the long distance, but like you can go see him, right? Like you're gonna go, you're gonna go see him. Whatever, I don't know. You're gonna go see you. You can go see him often, or like in a few months or whatever. And I, and I answered, I'm not going over there unless I'm getting paid, like something like that. I'm not going over there unless I'm getting paid, because it's far, and I'm working, and I'm in the middle of an album, starting getting the album ready getting music videos ready. And I didn't realize till after, and he didn't bring it up till way after, that I had heard him. Oh, he heard you say that? Like an asshole I said that in front of him. Oh, on the phone? Because he was... No, we were all there. Oh. We were all there. And I don't know if that's what I said verbatim, but it was something to that effect. Something, something to the effect of, I'm not going over there unless I'm getting paid. Or like, I'm not going over there unless I got work to do. Or like, you know? Or if, and then, and then I, I might have tried to like save it and said something like, oh, two birds with one stone, like something like that. But it, my priorities were just so blatantly clear, and and I just, I disregarded that. I was just thinking work, 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 to the point that if I'm not going, I'm, I have work to do here, so why would I be over there? Because my partner's over there, but it didn't even occur to me. So what would you say differently now? I would say, yeah, bitch, you're right, I could go, I'll go. You're right, I can go, I can go see him if I make time. You know, because everybody can make time, but I would just wasn't making time. I was, I was making time for work, and I don't. Everything happens how it's supposed to happen, so maybe that's what I was supposed to be doing at the time, so I could learn the lesson this way. But I think that's what I would have done. I would have just been more cognizant and more kinder, because what it just is. It, 
I realized how cold of an answer it was, you know? I realized how that could have felt disrespectful to him. I realized how it could have made the convo awkward because everybody else has this idea of like, oh, this is your partner, so obviously you're going to go see him. But to me, it was just so black and white of like, no, I have things to do here. So if I'm going over there, it's going to be because of work. You know what I mean? I just wasn't thinking. I wasn't present. I was thinking about like work. So in this new love story that you're in right now, a new love story for you because you're a serial monogamous. And now you get to fall in love with yourself and have the space to date you in essence. What are you making time for? Oh, hot yoga, lake days, uh, animals, going to ride horses more often. If I want to go to the studio, go in the studio late as hell. Seeing family, going camping. Oh man, just things like that. And even on tour, just making more of an effort to be like, okay, well, if this is an off day and and we have all these opportunities, like this is this is why I was like, oh no, show days is when we're doing everything because I'm respecting my off days more. And my off days are for nature. My off days are for God. My off days are for horses and for lakes and the things that, mm, the things that make me happy. And especially the things that make me happy that aren't around music because it's been music is beautiful and music is home. Music's how I found home in this world. But um, it's also, uh, I have to protect, protect as much as I can what's sacred, and that's studio time. But I have to do that violently because music industry is like saying holy money. So, you know, if someone wants to come in the session or start talking business or start talking marketing or start talking release dates, everything can get kind of tense and I just have to be on guard and more, you know, but for off days where I'm like, no, 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 this is things, things that don't make me any money because I'm so prone to be like, oh no, if it's not work, blah, blah, blah. if it's not work, I'm not doing it. If it's not work, I'm not. So I make it, I make it, I make more of an effort to make sure that the things that I'm doing are things that I uh, can't flip a, flip a buck on, you know what I mean? That are more just for the sake of happy. And those are sacred too. And those are sacred too. Genuinely meant what I said. I really, really liked Jessie Reyes. I always liked her music, but getting to sit and talk with her in person, it just really, really dug her. And if you also dig her, do people say that? I gotta really update my slang, you guys. We talk about that in the next segment, actually. Because we're in America, I like to carry bits of our culture with us. Yeah. And so it's like Drake does that. Mm -hmm. Like he introduces Toronto culture, Toronto slang to the world. Yeah. So she definitely has that in her, in her delivery and her tone. It's a little bit like this. So like we were in the whip and my mans were just saying to me that, yo, two twos. She's like that. It's okay. a pretty spot on impersonation. <laughs> it was a pretty spot on <laughs> But I loved it. But it was, I was like, like subtle. It was soft. And it was, but it wasn't over the top. You know what I mean? So I actually tested out the word pick me on you on the phone yesterday to be like, I'm going to try to incorporate more <laughs> Toronto slang. And you didn't say this is not authentic. So I'm like, check. I can keep going. I do remember clocking it though. Yeah. See, clocking is also kind of, I'm in that age bracket now where saying slang feels like, huh? huh? <laughs> Anyways, go to the show notes for links to Jesse Reyes, how to follow her on Instagram, how to listen to her music, how to fall in love with her even more. And speaking of love, this is a segment that I'm bringing back. We have taken a pause from it because I've just been so busy. But I found after my conversation with Jesse, I was talking about the concept of being the bad guy in a relationship so much that I had to film one of those dialogues. And that dialogue I thought was most interesting was one that I had with my sister, Lauren Morrison. We had a, a boomerang moment where you tried to make me look shitty and then you looked shitty. I don't think I looked <laughs> shitty. In the comment section below, <laughs> let me know who you left feeling like. Ooh. I'll give you a moment. You posted the picture. I'm going to give you a moment right now. Why can't you own? You didn't like, did. you didn't like my ex. You loved the new guy and you wanted everyone to know that he was better. We are gonna get into all that sisterly honesty, but first I wanna tell you about the sponsor of his Jingle Balls. Well, thank you. Jared actually had Manscaped as a sponsor on Enjoy the Podcast, and he has been using it, and I've been loving it. I might re-up, give him a little refill for Christmas, um, which is the gift that keeps on giving because I love it too. Anyways, on to Lauren. Anyways, let me weave in these two topics together. Okay, let's see let's you do that. Let's talk about <laughs> How you were a bitch. <laughs> bitch. <laughs> bitch. 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 
and the uh person in your last relationship. Not my present relationship. No. You know, actually, I was thinking about this this morning, too, that the person that you dated just before you got married gets elevated. Right. Like that relationship becomes so much more important because it was your last major relationship before marriage. Yeah. But I guess, yeah, maybe it's maybe it's just been so long. Like it's it's not a story that I I kind of elevate. It's not like this relationship that I really elevate. Um, I think that I've had and maybe that has a lot to do with the lack of emotional attachment I had in the relationship. I would actually think that and this is so like vain or narcissistic. I'm like, I think I'm a very important story in his chapter. You know, I'm interested in this because I know that you never reached out to apologize. No. But if you think it's such an important story in his life, why haven't you? Mm. I thought the reason why you didn't ever apologize is because you just kind of figured that he's moved on. It's not that big of a deal. And it's like, let the past be the past. But if you think that this is like his love story, why would it not be worth circling back to be like, I want to close this chapter for you and give you Unless because, you feel like you don't have to. I guess it's like, what am I really, what am I really saying I'm sorry for? I don't know. Because I can also say like, I think that there's a part of me that feels like there's a lot of shared responsibility. Like I left you many times. Like at what point did you, should you have just stopped letting me back in? You know what I mean? At what point should you have just been like, you know what? You don't know what you want. You go figure it out. Because it's not like I blindsided you, you know? You know what I'm going to quote right now what? from that psychology teacher that we both had in, or philosophy Dr. teacher. Dr. Payovic? Yes. Yeah. He said, the person who cares the least yeah. controls the relationship. Right. So well, it's not his responsibility. He's in love with you. So obviously he's going to keep giving you chances. I don't feel like it's my responsibility. It's your, it is. You're the person who cared the he, least. But he has to protect himself. Okay. We're not giving context. <laughs> this is a terrible conversation <laughs> for everyone else to listen to. Like, take care so of then yourself. let me backtrack, I guess, because here's the thing. The topic here is owning when you're the bad guy in the relationship. So I guess the context that we're looking for here is, you know, I was coming off of a string of being talking to a lot of guys, but being nobody's girlfriend. And that went on for years where guys would constantly be like, you know, you're so great. You're so this, you're so that I would get like emotionally invested a little bit. And then they would say there was this thing because ever we were so young, like in our early twenties where, you know, but you're wifey material. I'm not ready to settle down. Like I'm not ready for you yet. So kind of coming out of that situation and being like, okay, so you dating guys without emotion doesn't work. You going for guys who are just funny and good looking and smart, who you feel that spark with, that doesn't work. You have to choose differently next time. You have to choose the guy who you would be like, who is kind, who is, you know, who has better characteristics. And then in comes this person, like kind of on cue and he's amazing. He's honestly so sweet. The pedestal that everyone else didn't want to put me on, like he was ready to put me on that pedestal and treat me like a queen and do all of those things. The problem was, is that I knew that I didn't feel that level of attraction to him. And I didn't feel that spark with him, but I wanted to so badly. So I just kept trying and I kept convincing myself that because, you know, like my reputation is like I'm not a, I'm not an affectionate person. So if I don't feel compelled to be affectionate with you, it's not an indication that I don't shouldn't be with you. It's just who I am. I'm not capable of that kind of love. This is a love story that I'm capable of. So be it. Maybe I don't get butterflies in my stomach. Maybe I'm not excited to see them all the time, but maybe that's okay. Mm -hmm. And so because of that narrative, I kept suppressing those feelings of you don't love him in order to service like, yeah, but maybe this, maybe you have, it's an either or situation and this is the better or. I guess it's a thing. The feelings were right. The respect, the adoration, the putting you on a pedestal, like that was all right. I think right. Chris does that for you. Yes. Except that spark is there. Exactly. But, and I remember when I met Chris, there was a sense of like, I didn't know that the two things could be combined into one. I think that's also an interesting thought starter for people in Jesse Reyes's situation. Yeah. Because you have to be able to differentiate between whether this showed you something about who you are or showed you something about who you shouldn't have tried to be. Right. 
do you feel like you were the bad guy? I, you know what I do in a sense that I, I broke someone's heart. And I think that I broke someone's heart and I kept going back to do it. You know, and what makes me feel like, I guess, the bad guy is I always used to wonder, like, why are divorce rates so high? You know what I mean? Like, what are people thinking when they get married? Like, could this many people be saying forever and ever, but really in the back of their mind means something different? And it wasn't until I was in that relationship that I was like, yeah, that's exactly what people do. Because I was literally, we weren't engaged. It's not like he was proposing. But I was literally planning out how old our children would need to be before I couldn't leave him anymore because it might be emotionally scarring for them. That's how far down the road I was. (laughs) (laughs) I had built a life with this person, got married, had their children, and was already planning my divorce. And that makes me a bad guy because... You just should have let him go. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, would I change any of it? I don't know because every moment that I was with him led to me meeting my husband. Which is a really shitty truth. It's a really shitty truth. Yeah. So it's like I can't even like go back in time and be like, oh, I wish I would have broken up with him the first time and like stayed broken up because then I wouldn't I wouldn't have the life that I have now. Mm -hmm. It's like I almost like everything had to happen the way exactly the way that it happened. So. Selfishly for me, I wouldn't change a thing, which also seems really shitty. Selfishly for me, I wouldn't change a thing. But for him, I would have like that moment on our second date where I knew where he left and I was like, Mm-mm. I wish for him that I would have followed through mm-hmm. with that feeling. Because I know that the way that it ended, and this isn't like an expose on you, it's supposed to be a joint conversation, but I, <laughs> I feel like the way that it ended was like terrifically shitty. If I okay, can explain it how yeah, I ahead. think of it. Okay, go ahead. You had a vacation booked with this person where you were going on a trip with his coworkers. Yes. It's a couple's trip, right? It In was, essence. It wasn't a couple's trip. It was a work trip that I was tagging along to. Yeah. Yeah. So people would have known that you're bringing your significant other, right? It's a thing. Mm-hmm. And you're booked on this trip. Yeah. And then you get a chance with your husband. You cancel that trip. Yes. And then a month later. Yeah. You take Chris on a trip with your family. Yeah. And post it all over Facebook. Let's be clear about one thing. You posted it on Facebook. Okay, (laughs) that wasn't me. You posted it on Facebook and tagged me in it. Okay, that was you because you know what? Because you were in love with Chris. Well, that's that's my prerogative. But I just mean that you allowed that space where this person had to go through the public humiliation of not just getting broken up with. But why did you think of that? Explain. Well, this is really my responsibility. I'm not. I wasn't dating him. I'm just living my life. What, What was the quote again? The person who's the least invested or cares the least least controls the relationship. Controls the relationship. Are you so pin the blame on me? Listen, (laughs) let's just recap. Well, I don't think that you can tell me that you you can tell me that it was my responsibility and then turn around and be like, well, I don't care about his relationship. (laughs) I don't care about his feelings. So I can do whatever I want. (laughs) You can't say you can't have it both ways. What I'm explaining to you is despite the fact of who posted or didn't post on Facebook. You posted it. Okay, well, I'll tell my story. We'll flip it up right now, okay? (laughs) It seems like you're in the hot seat over there i, I don't feel dating. like i'm in the hot seat okay. i feel like you're in the hot seat i'm not in the hot seat it's yes, on my chair are. i'm not even <laughs> sitting right now i'm floating above all of this looking down and being <laughs> like what a dumpster fire that's what's happening you posted the pictures <laughs> nonetheless ovan um was came to canada for christmas and new year's eve to spend with me and new year's eve i I usually hang out with my friends. Right. And so all my friends and I got a hotel. And so he came to the hotel. And I just remember wanting to hang out with my friends more. Right. And then one of my friends was like, oh, you know who just hit me up? This guy. And this guy has a group of guy friends. And he's like, they want to come through to the hotel and like hang out with us. And I was like, that sounds more fun than hanging out with Ovan and my girlfriends. And I already felt kind of limited. 
So I made up some excuse and like made him leave the hotel. Right. And then I hung out with this other group of guys instead and my friends for New Year's Eve. And this is a person who like literally flew to the country and dedicated this like special time just for me. And that was indicative to me of like, at the time I didn't know how to be responsible for other people's kindness. Like I was unwilling to accept a nice person, but not honest enough to tell somebody like, don't waste your niceness on me. Right. Does that make sense? That makes sense. And so I apologized to Ovan years later because I was like, you were nothing but a good and nice person to me. And you Mm -hmm. provided such a space of support and love for me. And in return, not only did I not give that back to you, but I knew that I couldn't and I didn't let you go. Right. So that was that. And so what is that? What is that? That apology now done for both you and Ovan? I don't know what it does. I do know that I do still want an apology from my last partner. Mm -hmm. Like that would still be meaningful for me. What would it do for me? Probably absolutely nothing. And it wouldn't change my life. I think the apology matters a lot if you're still on your quest to find your partner. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because you might have told a story about your unlovability based on information you didn't have. Right. Where it's like, if you would have known, because some people take these stories where they gave a lot and then they lost everything as I can never give again. And it's like, no, you can give again. Yeah. It's just that I wasn't the kind of person who could receive it. And I've learned and grown since then. And I would never have manipulated you. That was my word for me, you know, in that way, if I am who I was today. Or so in that case, it was sort of like, if he does have this narrative that you want to relieve him of that. Yes. By letting him know, like, literally, it's not you, it was me. Yes. So the real trick, or the, I guess the through line lesson here is that if you could learn the lesson before the consequence is set in stone, that's good, right? So if you could course correct before you got to the place of no return. So with that in mind, what is the thing now that you're like, I really want to fix this for my partner because if in three months, you know, they left me, I couldn't say that I wasn't aware that this was a pattern, a behavior or a thought system that was damaging to our relationship. Interesting. Um, The only thing that's coming up, I don't want to say it out loud. Why? Could suck on his penis more. Like <laughs> one thing I'm not doing that he's expressed is really important to him. I don't know. Oh my God. That's my best friend. That's my sister, Lauren Morrison. And for many of you, for some of you, those of you who are lucky and smart, that's also your executive coach. Lauren has been in this podcast, of course, many times and used to be one of our lead producers on Lovers and Friends, but then went on to do coaching full time. And many of you have been smart enough to benefit from that. She offers one-on-one coaching for people who have a career goal they're moving towards. She also offers courses, some that are a bit more intensive and some that are really quick and easy. I'm actually doing a time management course that I think cost me 50 bucks with Lauren. That's been really helpful for me. Um, So if you want to unlock your career potential in 2023 and you think like I think that Lauren could really help you to do that, go to maketheshiftcoach.com. Once again, that's maketheshiftcoach.com. You can also follow her on Instagram where she gives out tons of freebies all the time. Um, so yeah, all that in the show notes and speaking of show, I've really enjoyed this one and at the risk of talking more because I'm having such a great time and then just making it like a weird ending, I'm going to just keep it short and say, thank you. This is the end of our episode. Of course, of course, I'm going to ask you to follow the podcast if you haven't clicked that button. And of course, of course, I'm going to ask you to rate and review the podcast on Apple or Spotify because that makes a big difference. And that is my Christmas ask. If you have wanted to get me a Christmas gift, and even if you haven't, that's what I'm asking for from you for Christmas. Your time, of course, is the gift that keeps on giving. But like, that's 
the wrapping paper. I told you I should have stopped talking and just kept it short. Let me take my own advice. Bye. We'll talk next week. Lovers and friends. Lovers and friends. I'm going to take you on a trip, baby. I don't pretend. I say, lovers and friends. Uh, I'm going to hold you down, down to the end. I say, Lovers and Friends is executive produced by Shared Entertainment's Shan Boudram. It is produced by Boudram and Crazia Cruz with production support from 2S Entertainment's Adam Krasner, Isabel Gallant, and Brianna Barone. The Lovers and Friends theme song is produced by Sean Ross and performed by Jared Brady, who also does the scoring and engineering on our episodes. Lovers and Friends is powered by Audioboom and made possible by our incredible sponsors, who you can show love to by reading our show notes.